There's a new podcast app that delivers chilling true crime stories straight to your mobile device. Every day they release a new episode that investigate the gruesome true acts of America's worst serial killers, and you can explore into the minds of psychopaths and murderers. To get started, find and download Murder Minute from the App Store or visit MurderMinute.com. That's M-U-R-D-E-R-M-I-N-U-T-E.com to get your daily dose of true crime creepiness delivered straight to your mobile device. It's a good show. Hey uh, there, everybody. Welcome to We'll See You in Hell, a uh, podcast where you listen to us talk about the movies that you like, about the horror and sci-fi and uh, <laughs> sneezing. All your favorite sneezes represented. Uh, and expanding the genres, quite frankly, moving into other territories. Last week we covered, or two weeks ago, we covered Love Actually. Caused someone to walk out of the Facebook group. Said, Love Actually, I'm done. Walked out. Really? Everybody was like, later. <laughs> a walkout? Yeah. I don't even remember the gentleman's name. I just chuckled to myself. God, people are miserable. Yeah. Hey, I, I get it. But, yeah, it's like uh, anyone turning to us for, like, probing discussions of the horror genre. <laughs> you might catch that now and again, but I would hope you're just here for the boys at this point. And if you're not, you know, go... Uh, Go do something else. I don't care. That's a real strange uh, deal breaker. You yeah. Know? I'm done. I'm done. It's a fucking thing that you download. Maybe you don't like some of them. Who cares? Yeah. You're not buying it. Who gives a shit? Now, Joe, oh, why did you tell Kevin Hart to tweet what he did? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it was a 10 years ago, and I was a different man back then. You know? What can I say? Now, what's your take on this? Oh, this this will this will be a real easy conversation to have. <laughs> My take on it is is I, I don't know the man well. I know him a little bit. I do not believe him to be a hateful man. Right. I do not believe he meant anything by those tweets other than he was trying to be funny. He has addressed them several times and apologized several times and said, "I'm evolving as a human being." Sure. Uh, and you know, and we make mistakes or whatever he phrased it. I respected what he did with stepping down from the Oscars and not kissing the ring, but then also independently of that saying, if I offended anybody in this community, I'm sorry. I thought that was a real class move. And, um, you know, what pisses me off is, you know, when I wake up and go on Instagram and see a thing from vice saying, here are the tweets Kevin Hart doesn't feel sorry about. And it's like, well, number one, that's not true. And number two, Vice, <laughs> you want to start fucking digging through the past? Sure. Because I can think of a lot of questionable shit you guys read in that magazine. Vice is Gavin McGinnis, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Well, Gavin left. Oh, the original, the only original person, there was three founders, and the only original guy, th there's only one of the three original guys there. Yeah. Apparently, there's a real nasty falling out between the three of them. But it's like, dude, you go back to like the earlier not even earlier uh, issues of Vice magazine back when they were like this punk rock hipster thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, you guys got a lot of skeletons in that closet. I mean, you were exploiting homeless people. There's tons of fat jokes. There's fuck off vice. Right. You know, I, now that you, you're suddenly you think you're the new like investigative new. Shut up, Jesus Christ! Shut up. Yeah, I mean the what what I saw was a bunch of like him calling people the f slur uh, in response to shitty things people tweeted at him, and those are kind of hard to parlay as jokes. But you oh, I know, didn't see those. Uh, I didn't even really see what the jokes were in terms of. I'd kill my son if he was gay. You know, Tracy Morgan did almost exactly the same bit a few years back. Everybody still loves Tracy Morgan. I think because Tracy Morgan gives the suggestion that he might not be all there, even though I think he's very right. much all there, uh, as is Kevin Hart. But it's very much picking and choosing. I mean, Kevin Hart, they don't respect artistically uh, because his movies aren't cool to the critical community. And Tracy Morgan was on 30 Rock. For right. eight years, the most critically acclaimed comedy of our times. Well, also, so they just give him a pass. And I don't think any of it's cool. I just don't understand who who gets to decide and and wh- why they decide, when they decide. And I, I understand why Kevin Hart stepped down because he's probably like, look, if this is day one of taking this job, fuck off. I don't need this. Well, that's- and he doesn't need it. I do like that he said publicly, he's like, look, the reason I'm not apologizing is because I've addressed this many, many times publicly. Right. Like, this is not a new story. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, what? how many times can I say, like, all right, I fucked up. Like, I, you know, I made a mistake. Look, there's a lot of words, unfortunately, that we all used to use that, I mean, you got Eminem now saying... I went too far in using that slur on my latest record. This is a guy on his first two albums, first three albums, four albums, prided himself on using the word just yeah. to piss people off and was winning Grammys and still became immensely famous. Sang a duet with Elton John. Yeah, exactly. Elton John stuck up for him. It's like, and now it's a different time. And now even you have a guy like Eminem going, I shouldn't have used that word on the new record. I'm sorry about that. Like, I went too far. So it's like people were evolving. Nobody's saying that anybody should not feel hurt by things. Nobody's saying that anybody shouldn't be upset by things. But we have to, we have to also understand that we're evolving as people. And there are a lot of words, slurs and not, that we used to throw around uh, willy-nilly, uh, retarded being one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like we're evolving. We're learning how to speak differently and what's not okay. But, uh, you know, I I just can't believe we're at a stage now where, and I've said this before on the show, but where the so-called, you know, artistic, you know, progressive side of the, of the political divide are now acting like the Christians who Jesus had to say, you know, the, you know, he without sin cast the first stone or whatever. It's like, what the fuck is going on right now? Yeah. Like, we've all fucked up, people, you know? Things have changed, uh, you know, at an extremely accelerated rate. It used to be it would take 50 years for people to go, yeah, Mickey Rooney probably shouldn't have played this Asian character in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Right. This is uh, horrific to watch. Now, you know, people will watch a movie from two years ago, and can you believe that we let this slide and things like that? It's like... Well, yeah, because the culture changes. It wasn't cool then. It's not cool now. But um, 
I mean, there are people who it appears their entire life is just simply giving people and movies and music and television shit for things they deem inappropriate. And it's honestly, I, I also can't, I just, the saturation point, the double standard that the average person has. I remember getting into it with a bunch of cyclists because sure. of something. I made a joke on, on my, one of my other podcasts about, about the hitting the cyclist with the door and yeah. being like, it's not my problem. Look where you're going. I didn't actually do it. I was just making a fucking joke about right. it. And then I actually did apologize. Hey, I guess it is kind of dangerous out there. Like, you know, whatever. And, um, and this one guy that came after me real hard, mm -hmm. uh, I'm like, well, let's, let's, let's see what an ethical, moral guy this guy really is. And I started looking up his stuff. I found a story he did on the moth where he talked about getting so annoyed with, with a car honking its horn in traffic outside of his apartment that he got eggs and started throwing them from his window at the car. And I'm like, I'm sorry, are you bragging about vandalism right now? But, but my thing is not, my joke is not appropriate. These pe people are fucking nuts, man. Yeah. They're nuts. And there's a lot of double standards going on. And it's just everybody needs to chill out. And everybody needs to get the fuck off the internet. I was talking about this last That's time. That's for friend, damn sure. My friend D. I was like, you've got a generation of people that, are, that have been raised digitally. And they don't understand that when you are on the internet, if you don't like what somebody is saying or doing, you can literally eliminate their existence. Yeah. You can, you can, you can, you block them. They are gone. They no longer exist. And you have people growing up like that. And then they go out into the real world and think, well, I should be able to do this in real life too. And it's like, let's all take a fucking breath here, man. You know, mm -hmm. you're playing with motherfuckers' lives, as Eminem once said. Yeah. So, you know, anyway. I didn't think we were going to start like that today. I mean, it's, it's, it's all, I've, been able to see or read or hear about for three days now two things i don't care about kevin hart and the oscars and and everyone is talking about it that's the other thing is these people who like okay kevin hart is a pretty funny man i've liked him in certain things but no one should really ever be thinking about kevin hart you know he's an entertainer it's just he's he's there he makes a movie you, you go see his stuff if you like him or you don't but now Everyone talks about Kevin Hart 24-7 for a week. And then in a week, he's back to nothing and nobody cares and we move on. It's just exhausting. Well, that's why that Michael Rappaport video I sent you was so great where he talks about like, where he's like, I woke up today, the headline in my news feed, Cardi B has a new boy. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. I mean, that whole thing, the, when, he, when he goes after Ariana Grande... Yeah, he's like people are tweeting me saying I should be a scared because her fans will attack me. She better go bat her fucking eyes at somebody else. I like Mac, after Mike Rapport. Pete Davidson. I love Pete. He's my friend, but it was funny that he his trashing of Pete was really funny. Like he's, but he's right. He's like, why is this news? It's not. Why is this news? Why are we discussing these things? It's also the actual news, which is that our president is supposed to be finally going down. This has been the news now every day for two years. Today's the day. Today's the day. Everybody's like, no, today's really the day. Is it, though? <laughs> is it? It's not. 
It's seems tough. like he's going to, you know, he's the Teflon Don. Yeah, I think this guy's going to cruise for a cool eight. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody's, you know, my dad wrote me today. He was like, can't wait to see Trump drown in a toilet full of his own shit. I was like, dad, how about a hello? Happy holidays. I'm just, everyone is just losing their fucking mind. That's how I wake up. Jesus Christ. I I just I just want to get home for Christmas. I want to I don't even know if I do. I want to stay in my mom and dad's spare bedroom. I don't want to talk to anybody. Sure. I I mean, I'm at a point. Oh, I, your parents have a spare bedroom? Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> I'm staying at the casino hotel myself with my wife. My mom's got some vouchers. Well, don't act like you didn't want to stay at that fucking casino. No, hotel. I'll stay at the casino. The uh, yeah no, I'm staying in the spare bedroom with my mommy and daddy's, and I'll tell you, dude, I'm regressing. I might ask for toys for Christmas. I just want to get a. I want to get back to an age of innocence right now. Yeah, I can't deal with this. I'm not going to do it now because it's too much up top. We'll do it on the next one we record. But I, way beyond Kevin Hart, I got to talk about Miss Lena Dunham, and I'm going to bring oh, that into boy. the next podcast we record. Which well, here's the thing. I don't know if you've been keeping up. No, I I stopped keeping up. With I'm going to have you watch a, a brief video with me before the next podcast, and we can get going on that. Here's my question, though. Yeah, for the sake of the fans, and we love you, fans. We really do. What do you do? Do you get it all out in this one, and then give them a lighter overall pot on the next one, or do you split up? I want to bring some fire into the next one. Okay. All Usually right. by the second we record, we're like, uh, the floor's uh, looking clean, Joe. <laughs> Uh oh God. Lena Dunham. Lena right. Dunham. Uh we had a request to get away from the songs and and I'm happy to because I can't think of one. So let's get on with the show. And on. Who are the very good. I miss those ones. I miss the simple ones. Well, you just got it, so you don't miss it anymore. Ooh, kitty got claws today. Let me take you over, if I may, to Pat's movie corner. Uh, I've still seen just a tremendous amount of stuff due to a really depressed Thanksgiving break that I had <laughs> where I just uh, didn't sleep and just watched things for four days straight. So I'll never really catch up, which is good, but at least I'm not uh, lacking for any. I saw the new picture. I see it there in your screener pile. Maybe you've watched it. Nope. Okay. little film called Boy Erased. A lot of boy movies this year. A lot of boy movies, a lot of young drug addict movies. They all star uh, Lucas Hedges. Remember, remember when they all started Lucas Haas? I do. Remember when he was the hot young thing in Hollywood? He still acts now. He might have been in uh, that that first man. I think he was in. He's in something like that. Uh, Boy Erased is a movie set in, I want to say the early two thousands. They don't really make it clear, but um, it's about gay conversion, which is very timely because, of course, if Mike Pence takes over the uh, the hot seat, which I don't believe he will. 
think he'll go down with a ship, but he he strongly wants there to be gay conversion therapy. Um, and that's really cool that that a guy that thinks that is uh, the second in command to our nation. Hey, baby. But Boy Erased uh, is a well-performed and extremely depressing uh, little film that really, these kinds of movies used to be called Movie of the Weeks. They used to star John Ritter like you've never seen him before. Right. They used to star Judith Light uh, a, a long way away from Who's the Boss, you right. know, whatever. But right. now they're they're making it to theaters. They're Oscar bait. The, we can talk about the Golden Globes, too, if you want. I mean, the, the movies that are getting nominated for Best Picture are fucking hilarious at this point. Um, my only frustration about nominees are uh, the the I can't believe that Fred Armisen special got nominated. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, nothing against Fred Armisen. I think he's a talented dude. That special was like, that literally came off like he rolled out of bed yeah. and walked down the street to the nearest coffee house <laughs> and just said whatever popped into his head. And this fucking thing is nominated for uh, for special comedy special of the year. What, uh, Nanette, I assume? No. No? No, Nanette. No, no, Nanette? I, I honestly, I didn't even think of that until you just said that. I can't believe that didn't get nominated. It must have, Joe. Whatever I saw that was nominated, maybe it's just like the top specials on Spotify. Maybe that's what I saw. Yeah, you're not you're not getting out of a Golden Globes without nominating the net. It was, not now. It was Gaffigan. It was Armisen. It was Patton Oswalt. It was Chris Rock. And it was Chappelle. All right. Maybe she didn't get nominated. But maybe I was looking at a wrong thing. I don't know. Whatever. Sorry. Go ahead. Boy Erased stars... Of course, Lucas Hedges. Lucas Hedges is the son of Peter Hedges, who wrote my all-time favorite book, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, which became a pretty great movie as well, starring Johnny Depp. He also wrote... I didn't like the sequel much. What's, what are those grapes Gilbert's eating? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it had the weight of the first one. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And yeah. the mom, you know, ate more of the grapes and, you know... It's basically were... a movie about grape, a book about grapes. Yes. Uh, his parents are played by Nicole Kidman in a small, desperate plea for an Oscar. You know, you might, it might as well be like that Wayne's World scene where they flash Oscar clip over it while it's playing. Right. Um, I thought she did not ring true in this role as kind of an uptight, turning the other way religious mother. And Russell, Russell Crowe, uh, twice the size he was in Gladiator. Um, bigger than he was even in, uh, what's that movie? The Nice Guys, playing like a pastor. Yeah, he really put on some unnecessary weight for this role. Well, they no, he didn't put it on for the role. They show you the guy, and he's kind of heavy, but it's it's kind of like when Jonah Hill played that normal guy, and it's like, oh, so <laughs> you didn't put on weight to play this guy. He's he's about half your size. But uh, I just, I, I ordinarily wouldn't care, and I thought Russell Crowe was really good in this movie, kind of the best I've seen him in a, in a while. But it just occurred to me, if Nicole Kidman put on Russell Crowe's weight, Nicole Kidman wouldn't act. No. That wouldn't happen. No, that's, that's and, a fair uh, observation. You know, as, as much as we want to pretend everything's changed and there's no double standard, give me a fucking break. Any uh, actress puts on Russell Crowe weight, then she becomes into like a character actor territory, like a, a Kathy Bates. She's not a leading man anymore. Leading woman. 
Uh, Boyer race. Let's get to the point. It is him in a gay <clears throat> conversion uh, thing. He's there nine to five. The guy running it is played by Joel Edgerton, who is a good actor, uh, who also directed. And it's well done. You know, it's about the hypocrisy of these places. It's about, you know, at the end, there's really moving stuff where it's like, I'm not going to change. I can't change. This is who I am. You have to change or else we're done. Right. To his father, you know, you have to change because I can't. And if you won't, cool, I don't need to see you anymore. Right. And I found that to be a very kind of refreshing I found people give too much of a shit about their parents. Basically, I like when I like whenever in a movie somebody's like, "Great, then we'll just go our separate ways." Sure, people sure. act like you can't do that. You can do it pretty easy. Sure. Um, I thought there was a lot to like. It was well acted, but it's super depressing, and it goes to even darker places than you might be thinking. But check it out. All right, I haven't watched any of my screeners. That is a huge pile of screeners over there. I've Actually, I watched away. one. I I've watched one. And I will tell you what it is. It is a little picture called Deadpool 2. Okay. I cracked and I watched it. I have to say uh, I was wrong for not seeing it initially. It's very, very funny. It's so funny, isn't it's it? It's really, really funny. <laughs> uh, the action sequences are awesome. Yeah. I love that it's relentlessly violent and, unapo- and unapologetic in that sense. Um and it's just fucking funny. It's just like it's it, it just really hits the tone of humor that really works for me where it's it's edgy, but it's not like trying to offend you. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, it's 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 just great. It's just it's a really, really fun movie. My favorite line is when he when he's like behind the bar and she's like, can I get you anything as a you know, the, as a joke during like that shootout? And he's like. Yes, I'd love a cranberry orange vodka. I believe it's called a Bay Breeze. Please don't make me say it. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Reynolds is a really, really funny dude. It's funny. He co-wrote this one. This one seemed to be stretching a lot less for the uh, aren't we shocking bits. It just kind of nailed its tone, I think, better than the original one did. I've talked about it on here before. I think it's one of the best comedies of the year. I guess that's why they sent it out to try to be nominated for best comedy or something. I don't know, but now they did this PG thirteen cut called "A Very Deadpool Christmas." Freddie Savage has been directing the last few episodes of my show, and he was uh, doing a lot of advertising for it. I, I don't understand how it's possible to make a PG thirteen cut of this movie. I also don't get the point. I guess there are kids out there that want to see Deadpool, but. I, I mean, mean, did they reshoot the fucking movie? I think they have some new scenes. It's getting a theatrical release. I think this Fred Savage bit where he's doing the uh, Macaulay Culkin and Uncle Buck thing and he's doing the Princess Bride thing, I think those clips might be in the movie. Uh, I guess it's probably an experiment and they'll see how it goes. But I know from when I saw Deadpool and Deadpool 2, the audience was half kids. I don't think anybody gives a shit about the rating system. But I mean, this is a... This is a t- this is a tough one to bring your kids into. I mean, this is I don't think I'd bring a young kid in to see this flick. I guess I so. Mean, especially since I don't have a young kid. I could really right. get in trouble for that. I think parents only care about sex and nudity and there wasn't much in there. There was a long sex scene in Deadpool 1. I don't recall any sex in Deadpool 2. My my parents anyway only cared about sex. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but I mean there's a lot of like guy gets shot in the head. Sure. Anyway, whatever. 
It, uh, what I loved about it is that D- Deadpool 1 eventually went that same way of every one of these movies with like a 45-minute climax of them fighting the villain. Jokeless. Right. And Deadpool 2, they kept it real brief, and it was still funny. They kept all the action stuff still funny. Um, I don't know. I was a big fan. I had a dream that I watched this with my mom the other yeah. night. Like, I rewatched it with her. And the whole time, we couldn't focus on the movie because she kept going, Wolverine, he's the one with the claws, right? <laughs> she just kept asking me that. Uh-huh. We couldn't get anywhere. Anyway, good flick. Sounds annoying. Uh, I watched a movie really based off of the Facebook page and like 90 people saying that it was everything from cute to really good to really funny. Folks, I didn't feel it was any of those things. It was called The Christmas Chronicles, starring Kurt Russell yeah, as that looks pretty stupid. Jolly old Saint Nicholas. But you know, Heather and I are like, let's watch a Christmas movie, and we're trying to pick between all these old classics. And I'm like, let's try to watch a new one. And you know, we sat down and honestly ruined a night, <laughs> burned one of the few nights we had to spend together. I was just like, this sucks. It's lame. It seems to be made for very small children. There's a scene well, where he sings an Elvis song in a jail cell, and he's got, like, Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band with him, but not Bruce Springsteen, and they're all in jail with him, and they get up and play a song. I was like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah, when I first saw the uh, advertisement for it, you know, whatever website I was on, it was like, it was like, Kurt Russell plays the coolest Santa ever in the Christmas Chronicles, and the the look of him in that outfit made me laugh. And it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, which made me think they should make a movie like this. This is my idea. I'm saying it here, so this is copywritten. Okay. It's not, but go ahead. Well, yeah, but I say it here. You can't say, I have proof that this is a dated recording. Somebody could go, I never listened to this stupid podcast. Well, whatever. Here's my idea. It's like, I wanted it to be, I not bad Santa. Right. But I thought it'd be funny to do like a Hancock version of Santa, where he he does the right thing. He delivers the gifts, but he's a grump, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, it's a lot of like son of a bitch. God damn it! You know what I mean? Like right. he's hitting little. Hit, and I kind of thought that's what this was going to be, and it's not. It's it's just him playing Santa Claus. It really. Anytime it starts to do something interesting, they yank the reins back and don't do it. But like he's, you know, he keeps seeing himself in like uh, storefronts and on billboards. He's like, I'm not that fat. I cut out carbs. I cut out carbs, whatever. And you're like, okay, you're circling a funny area, but you have to then go forward into it and do something with it. It just felt lazy to me. It was produced by Chris Columbus, who has made many, many much more entertaining films in this vein. Well, and many much worse films, to be honest. I mean, I don't need well, to see, I don't need to put this next to Bicentennial Man to say that okay. it's better Bicentennial than... Man is one of the worst movies ever made, but <laughs> it tried to be in the spirit of like an Adventures in Babysitting or uh, you know, Home Alone or Gremlins or Rent, or... right? His his film version of Rent. <laughs> Rent is a yeah, he's made some bad ones. Similar echoes. But uh the guy used to really thrive on kind of like edgier family entertainment. And I was happy just seeing his name, even though he's just a producer on it. But it's kind of a bummer. The kids are are sort of cute, but not... You know, like, kids never get to be have any edge to them at all in movies anymore. Kids used to be, like, they'd cuss. 
You know, they were like real kids, and now kids are just scrubbed clean. And Well, the problem is, is now when they do that, it's like the big zany hook. Yeah. Like, they did it in the new Halloween. Right. And it's like a bunch of normal kids, not normal, but like, you know, milk toast kids that you don't care about. And then they have the one kid that's like, you better shut your fucking mouth, you crazy bitch. The you only kid I, mean? I cared about, yes. Yeah, and everybody's howling, laughing, you know, like... Like it used to be that you had kid, you had a bunch of kids that were just like yeah. that. They they acted like kids. This kid looks like Joey Lawrence, the older brother, and it starts with him stealing a car. And you're like, okay. no, no, what? Well, he's stealing a car. I like that he's stealing a car. It's not you wouldn't if you saw it. It's like the most G-rated stealing of a car ever. Sister, right. you know, it, it just I, I don't know. I didn't like the movie. Many did. It's cute. Maybe if you watch it with kids, it's a different experience. But it starts out with this kind of cool concept that they see. She's watching an old video of her dad who died in a fire. And uh, she sees this like hand come through right as the video ends. They're going up to bed. And she's like, it's Santa. He's real. And just again, that's kind of like, oh, cool. They caught, they caught a little proof of him on tape. This must be where this is going. or whatever. And just anytime something interesting would be started it would immediately be killed what i never understand with these kids focused uh santa claus movies is there's always the debate about whether he's real or not and i'm like what do you do when your four-year-old or five-year-old who undoubtedly believes in santa claus watches this fucking thing yeah. and and goes like wait what do you mean is he real well they debate it in this one and I felt the same way but then again I'm like well Santa's in the whole movie so it must not be yeah they must not care because he's here. But yeah, it sucks. Little surprise for the movie corner this week, Pat. Go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and talk about the cool kids. Oh. I've uh, caught up on the show as far as I know, at least as far as Hulu has let me. Yes. Uh, I've rewatched several episodes. I'm very, very, very much enjoying the show. I find it very charming. I find it very funny. I'm not just saying that because you're my Joe. friend. My favorite episode so far was the latest, which uh, featured a storyline of David Allen Greer dating a much younger woman. Yes. And the investigation led by Vicki Lawrence to see if she was a gold digger or not. Can't believe a young, attractive woman would like... Hank, yes. Yeah, it's called Hank Robs the Cradle. For some reason, Hulu chose a thumbnail of little children at a roller skating <laughs> rink to, to, to be the picture for the episode, which... That was a mistake. Yeah. I, I Although I think sometimes they change the algorithm to appeal to what the viewer wants. Right, yeah, so yeah. You, they might have thought you wanted a little girl's roller skating party. I don't right, know. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> Very funny scenes, though, with Sid and the little girls. I like those scenes a lot. They're great. Um yeah, it's great. I love the uh, I love the thing with Sid where he's like, "I ain't saying she's a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no." Well, y'all know the song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was really funny. I really Thanks, am man. enjoying the show, uh, and I look forward. Is there going to be a Christmas episode? There's not. Um, just because of the nature of Fox, Fox gets preempted by football a lot. So they were just like, don't even worry about it. We did a Thanksgiving episode and we will in the future if we get another season, which, you know, we came back. We, we yet we've yet to slip our lead in slips in the ratings and we don't slip. So I think we have our own fan base. We're doing well. I 
not that not that I wasn't from the jump, but I really enjoy the cast now. We get along great, and uh, I'm having a blast. I hope it lasts a long time, and I appreciate you saying that. This morning, I noticed on Twitter this guy Brett White at Decider, which is a great entertainment website. I've spent the last few months cackling with delight every Friday with the cast of the Cool Kids, so of course they made my best of 2018 list over at Decider. This is such a weird, wonderful show. Oh, great. Probably the only top 10 list we'll make, but I urge you to check it out. I think we're hitting our stride. And my favorite episode of all, The Zodiac Killer uh, with Ed Bagley Jr. airs this coming Friday. Although, wait, we're airing... Are we caught up? Is this this episode airing tomorrow or next week? No, next week. Okay. So then it aired Friday. You missed it, but watch it on Hulu. Margaret dates the Zodiac Killer. I think it's where we really hit our stride, and all the ones still to come uh, get even better. So Good. check it out. I appreciate that, Joseph. Of course. I saw a picture called Can You Ever Forgive Me? Starring Melissa McCarthy. I hear it's very good. Another Oscar screener. It's really entertaining. I mean, uh, I guess it says a lot about me that I almost always like a movie or show where the lead character is a raging drunk. Um, Melissa McCarthy in every scene is just drinking from a large tumbler of straight whiskey. Um, I heard somebody told me it's 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 a, a film reminiscent of the earlier works of Woody Allen. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's New York, and you know, it's not uh, you know certainly from a language and content standpoint, it's it's a lot rougher than Woody Allen. I was yeah, it looks a lot darker. But uh, I think you just see Manhattan and people in sweaters, and you think of Woody Allen. You know, <laughs> New York in the fall. Gotcha. But uh, Melissa McCarthy is obviously a very gifted comedic actress. I have written a sort of drama action thing that I would love her to do at some point because I always sense she had more in her, and she's an incredible dramatic actress. She is so good in this movie. And Richard E. Grant, who you definitely recognize, but he was in With Nail and I. He was in The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Who's he playing that? He's the old British guy with like the big teeth. Wasn't he in Ford Fairlane? In The Adventures of Ford. Richard E. Grant was big in 80s movies. Um, I remember there being a British guy with big teeth in Ford. I think you're thinking of the Wayne Newton character. I'm not, I know the difference between Richard E. Grant and Wayne Newton. Thank you very much. All right. But yeah. uh, he, I think, should probably be up for Best Supporting Actor. They make an amazing team. I was I was thinking of uh, Wayne Newton. Yeah, Wayne Newton. No, he was he's been in a ton, but he was in Logan recently. Who but he playing Logan? He was in Hudson Hawk. Who's he playing Logan? I think he's the villain in Hudson Hawk. Logan. He played Striker. No, that was Doctor Rice. I don't remember characters from Logan. I'm sorry, but yeah, you know him from Hudson Hawk, or you should. Everybody loves that film. He was in Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. And now there is a classic. Um, but he is great in it. It's it's He's been around. He's been a character actor for years. I know and love him from With Nail and I, which is a very funny comedy, British comedy. Uh, he played Dr. Jack Seward in Bram Stoker's Dracula. L.A. Story. Oh, he's the main doctor in Dracula. Yes. That, like, uh, Renfield bites eventually. Correct. Okay. Um, the guy is going to get nominated. He's very good in this. But basically, it's a... About a woman who's very lonely, lives with her cat, um, very difficult 
around people, not a people person, big drunk. Her agent is Jane Curtin, who looks better than she did on Saturday Night Live 40 years ago. She looked yeah. incredible. Uh, Jane Curtin is her agent, and she's like, I can't get you work. You won't play the game. You're, you know, you, you, you won't go out and shake hands. You won't be nice. I can't get you work. And she starts selling to make money for cat medicine for forgered documents, like forgered letters for, uh, from famous right. authors. Right. And uh, it's a very interesting story. Really, that, that aspect of it, even though that is the plot, was not super interesting to me. It was just kind of watching this really these two very difficult people hang out with one another, Richard E. Grant and Melissa McCarthy. I really enjoyed it. And I will close us out with a documentary I watched called The Power of Grayskull. And this is a documentary. It is the complete comprehensive history of He-Man. It covers the toys. It covers the cartoons. It covers She-Ra. It covers the live-action movie starring Dolph Lundgren uh, and uh, Frank Langella. Uh, It covers the reboots. It takes you all the way through He-Man. All of it, it's made by huge fans of uh, the brand. Uh, The interviews are awesome. It's really fun getting to hear Frank Langella talk about doing, playing Skeletor and talking about how it was one of his favorite things he ever did, even though the movie bombed. Um, It's if you're a fan in any way, shape, or form of He-Man, it's 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 just it's very nostalgic, very fun, brings you back. Very very enjoyable documentary. And it's just the movie or the whole phenomenon. No, no, no. It's a, as I said 10 seconds ago, it covers everything from the cartoon to the toys. Well, then he said Frank Langella. I was like, okay, I, you know. Well, that's part of it. And part of when they talk about the movie, they interview Frank Langella. Okay. And then at other parts, they interview other people. Do they interview Orko? Orko's not in it. Uh, oh. He apparently uh, got me tooed. Oh, no. Yeah, he was going up to uh, the woman who played Evil Lynn on set and saying, you want to see what's really under this little cape? Yeah. And uh, I believe he asked her to be his orc hoe at He one did point. do that. Kept referring to them as magic dicks. Oh, no. It was a mess. Anyway, um, but check it out. It, it, it's a fun, nostalgic ride. Um, I got a quick, scary stuff for us. Sure. Uh, if you don't have these box sets, you need to go get them. Uh, they've been out for a long time. They're, it's nothing new, but uh, a slept-on rendition of the Twilight Zone often is the 80s reboot. Uh, it, it's an awesome reboot of the show. There were three seasons. The box sets are beautifully crafted, uh, very comprehensive stuff on them. I mean, not a ton of bonus features, but everything you could need. Uh, there's commentaries from Harlan Ellison, in one of them talking about how he punched the director in the face for ruining the story. Okay. Uh, Wes Craven directed a bunch of these. Um, the casts are awesome. There's a great one with Robert Klein. There's a lot of great ones. Season one, front to back, I could vouch for as a, as a very good, solid season. Seasons two and three come together in the same pack, um, and they are... You're going to have to scavenge a bit more through those. Um to find the good ones. But they do exist and they are worth owning. Um, but it's just a rendition of the Twilight Zone I don't hear people talk about very often. And the sets, as I said, are beautifully crafted and they're a lot of fun to watch, especially on a 
a sort of a rainy day, you know, when you can sit in front of the TV and watch a good spooker, as my dad used to say. Spooker sounds like a word you're not supposed to say, but I guess I'll allow it. He was referring to horror movies. No, I know, but it just, don't you think it sounds like a, something from Mississippi Burning? It didn't or? feel great coming out of my <laughs> mouth. Uh, um, I I don't have anything, but I've never seen any of the new Twilight Zone. They're worth seeing. All right. Um, Pat, let's get to our movie, I guess, right? Sure. Now, did you watch it as I strongly urged you to with the Joe Bob Briggs commentary? No. No, I'm sorry. I was watching other shit for the goddamn movie corner, and I, I said, I, don't, I can't rewatch a movie I've already seen that we're going to review. I don't have time. All right. You could have watched just the Briggs segments. I don't, I got to be honest with you. I don't remember you urging me to do that. I did. On, I was on Thanksgiving. I th- Thanksgiving Day? I wasn't with you on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving night. I was texting you. I'm watching it. The first movie is Texas Chainsaw. You uh, should watch this. You were like, I will. I'll. No, it's really great. You should check. We went back. I thought you were just saying the marathon you should watch. I didn't think you were saying this specifically. I mean, look, I could go back to the texts. I'm not going to. I misread it is my point. Joe Bob, this is his not only favorite horror movie, but favorite movie of all time. And he's never been able to share it because it's still on some banned lists, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So like he was like TNT wouldn't let me show at this place. We couldn't get the rights, whatever. So this is the first time he's had the rights to it. This night on Shutter was called like Dinners of Death, and it was Texas Chainsaw, uh, the original Hills Have Eyes, which I did not enjoy. Uh, I think I prefer the remake. It had uh, Blood Rage, which we discussed and I watched and was insane, and then Dead Alive, Takashi Miike, which was also insane. I'll... Save those for future movie corners. But I have now watched both marathons in full. The, the original one was 13 movies. Uh, the second one was only four. And there's another four-movie marathon coming up on Christmas, which I have to hope will have your Silent Night, Deadly Night, your, you know, all that Speaking kind of Speaking of Silent Night, Deadly Night, Emily yes. Florence uh, Simpson texted me and let me know that she met the actor who played the killer in the first film. Oh, nice. Talked to him about the podcast. Oh, nice. Gave him our info, and she said that he did show some interest in potentially coming on. So we'll see if we hear from him. That would be awesome. I've only seen the Ridge, but I loved it, and I want to see the others. Well, I've seen all of them. Uh, Texas Chainsaw, you could tell Joe Bob, you could tell it was his favorite movie. He talked, he made the movie almost three hours long with his uh, jump-ins. And for me, especially watching alone, I like Joe Bob interrupting at times. I'm a pussy. Uh, if you can still say pussy. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the hell out of hearing the anecdotes about the set. Uh, some of them you knew. Some of them were new. He, some of them were about Toby Hooper. Tobes. But the best is he goes on for about 20 minutes about how Toby Hooper got such a rough, rough, rough deal in Hollywood. And he was obviously a gifted director, but this movie made everyone think he was insane because how? who else but an insane person would make this movie? And then when he finally got his big break on Poltergeist, he said, everything you have heard about Spielberg directing this movie is a lie. Uh, Joe Bob had tears in his eyes at various points because he was clearly very close with Toby Hooper. 
And um, basically, a guy from the LA Times dropped by the set while Tobey was finishing up the shot with a tree crashing through the window. Mm-hmm. And it was a very difficult shot. And then up front, doing a little second unit stuff, futzing around, was Spielberg because he was by the set. Right. They write this article that Spielberg's directing the movie. Tobey is troubled by this. He takes out an ad in Variety, and he's like, this is a fucking lie. Right. Spielberg, I, I, I'm, I'm directing the movie. It's my movie. He's a producer. Of course he's on set. Right. Spielberg got pissed at him because he said, I'm supposed to be producing a couple of movies right now. And if they see that I'm on your set and busy then, and they think I'm directing, then it looks like I'm not in being involved in my other projects. Can you just be quiet about this? Let's not call any attention to it. Yeah, and man, the more I learn about this Spielberg. I know. Not a great guy. To- Tobey was not a like, great guy. all right, I'll drop it. Then years and years later, when the coast was clear, Spielberg comes forward and he's like, just so you know, I didn't direct it, but it was kind of too little too late. And Tobey Hooper's career was resigned to like a Masters of Horror episode here and there. That's a shame, man. That's uh, a real shame. It was, you know, tragic, but a fascinating story. He goes on about it for about 20 minutes. If you're a fan of Poltergeist, as I am, it's definitely worth checking out. Well, I think the Spielberg influence on that movie is that he wrote it. Like Spielberg doesn't usually write. He wrote Poltergeist. So, of sure. course, it feels like one of his movies. And he's owed a lot of its success, but... It's also way more vicious than most of your Spielbergs, and that's where Hooper comes in. I agree. Uh, Texas Chainsaw, you know, Joe, this isn't one of my favorites. I think it's a very effective movie, but, you know, I think you love it a lot more than I. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on it? I find the film to be a masterpiece uh, yes. in horror. I also thought Toby Hooper was a lunatic yeah. until I saw he did other things Right. when I first saw this film. Uh the best assessment of it I've ever heard is the reason the movie is so effective is because it feels like you're watching a documentary. Yes. It feels real. It's one of those movies where you can't imagine seeing an interview with any one of the actors. Yes. You're like, there's no way these are regular people. They're all nuts. There's no way. They, they went to an asylum and got people to do this. You know. I forgot how deeply annoying the big guy in the wheelchair is. I mean, just almost impossible to watch. Uh... And, str- and he stresses me out. That thing where he's going, the gun, it goes, boom, chuck. Yeah. Boom, chuck. And he just keeps doing it over and over. Um, I love the film. It's one of the most disturbing and frightening films I've ever seen. But it's horror at its best. Uh, my my opinion on good horror has always been if it... Good horror is constituted by one element. You can't escape. That's what makes a good horror movie. The second you can say during a horror movie, well, why don't they just do this? Why don't they just go over there and then it'd be done? Yeah. Then it's not scary anymore because then it's not believable. But anytime the setting is you can't escape, uh, and in this town that is done, or in this film, excuse me, that is done by the reveal that the family basically is running this town and has sabotaged these kids and they have nowhere to run uh, and nowhere to hide. They can't get away from this thing unless it's just by pure luck, which is how the lone survivor at the end finally gets away. Um, it's 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 just a brilliant film, and it's it's incredibly incredibly frightening. Uh, I love it. I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre two for very different reasons. Uh, it's a very different film, but I think it's great. 
Well, let's uh, do that on here too, because I we should we should do three too, because three is awesome in its own way. Never seen three, and two I only saw when I was ten, and it rattled me up so much that even though I own own it and have owned it for a while, I cannot bring myself to watch it. Uh, it, I'd it, say if, it messed me up. If you just sat through t- t- one, I don't think two is going to give you much problem. That's true. Uh, I've seen one probably, you know, every five years I'll watch it once. It's just not one I feel I need to revisit because it is so disturbing. I like it very much. I understand how unbelievably innovative and terrifying it must have been seeing it in 1970 or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's, there's an extra element to it that makes it uncomfortable. Like all the stuff in the van at the beginning, when the guy's cutting his hand and all that, just like there's a, there's an evil that comes off the screen. Uh, the ending with Leatherface chasing. And then at the end, dancing around in the sun with the chainsaw is just fucking awesome. The stuff where they're trying to bash her head and he keeps dropping the, uh, with a wrench the hammer into the bucket yeah that's upsetting <laughs> i mean my god like uh, that stuff's just not fun and you realize the grandfather is still alive yeah you think he's just a corpse they're keeping around like norman Bates style yeah and then in that scene you realize he's still alive somehow just barely hanging on yeah it's, uh, it's rough it's rough stuff um but obviously you know the movie has earned its spot near the top of the horror pile i just prefer to watch an exorcist a poltergeist a halloween whatever because there's more fun to them i you find there's more fun to the exorcist for you know for some reason i do see the exorcist scares me on a on a uh, like a like a like a visceral like organic level like, yeah like it gets in my bones texas chainsaw i find frightening and alarming but it's it's i can sleep after i watch it the exorcist will get in my head i hear you i guess because i don't believe in demonic possession and i do believe in crazy freaks by the side of the road waiting to murder people that that texas chainsaw affects me more okay um you know uh, one of the one of the sort of basic rules of filmmaking is you want to have a you want to have a good opening shot. You want your opening shot to be interesting. Yeah. First shot in the movie, and Texas Chainsaw nails it because first you get that scroll, that text scroll that John Larroquette is narrating. John Larroquette, and it's very disturbing. And then that goes right to the shot of the rotting cow head on the post. Yeah. Uh, and the camera pulls out from there as the report plays of like the grave robberies or whatever it is right um just a fucking awesome movie man just a, just a masterpiece in horror and that is why tobey was one of the masters of horror he was it was uh i watched his life force which is thought to be his like lost classic and i just thought it was real stupid i uh, love life the, life the nudity force. of course was great and it, I had some fun with it. Twelve-year-old boy, what is the matter? The nudity was good. I don't know. I'm certainly never going to hit a point where I feel I need to apologize for enjoying nudity. I just don't. I'm not saying. I, you, I, you I know, know society wants me to. It's not offensive. I just mean like, in a world where porn is falling out of the trees, how do you still get this excited about boobs in a movie? There's, I don't get there's it. There's something about it that feels different. It feels naughtier somehow. Oh you know? boy! Because porn has become so mainstream. 
Uh, now you go to the theater to see any movie, you almost never get nudity. It doesn't happen. What you're seeing now more often than not is dicks if you're seeing any nudity because everyone's all excited now that you can show dicks. But you're certainly not seeing your A-list actresses naked, which used to be a real thrill of going to the movies. I like that the lady in Cam showed her boobs. I like that, too. You remember in uh, the uh, MTV Movie Awards, they went up and did five minutes with Travolta and Hugh Jackman where they all talked about how excited they were that Halle Berry was going to show her boobs in Swordfish. She's up there with them, and she's like, in just three days, you'll be able to see my boobs. Like, this was a different time, and it wasn't that long ago. But that was the selling point for Swordfish. There was Everybody there opening night was there to see those boobs. There was a stretch of Halle Berry pictures where... That was like the treat of all treats. Where yeah. She just was taking it off and everything. Yeah. She was the hottest woman on earth. Absolutely. Uh, what's she doing these days? Where she is still she? is. I mean, she looks exactly the yeah. same. Where, what's she doing now? She doesn't get a lot of acting work. She had a, a, a network TV pilot a few years back. It didn't really connect. And she's in the occasional movie that doesn't really go anywhere. She was never the strongest actress. I mean, I, I think she might have won for Monsters Ball, but... I'm not sure that was deserved. I think it was. I mean, um, you want to take that away from her. You I've always liked her. She was great in that. But all I remember is the sex scene. I don't remember anything else about her performance. I was real jealous of Billy Bob watching that. Sure. Christ. Sure. Billy Bob in another life should have been a gas station attendant. I mean, you know, Billy the guy Bob has been with the... I mean, I know that was Angelina just... Angelina Jolie for years. Jesus Christ. She wears blood around her neck. I mean, clearly she's got some sort of uh, hick thing or something. I mean, Pitt's more of a hick than he, he likes to let on nowadays. Pitt's from Missouri, baby. He's trash. Yeah, Pitt, it's funny. I was watching uh, a little of Interview with the Vampire the other night, and it's it's almost funny now going back and seeing Pitt play that character. Yeah. He's good in it, but like He's fine. seeing him be like the guy that's like, I was once a man. You know, yeah. like, you're like... Now, it makes way more sense when your guy being like, gentlemen, and I want my scalps. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think the closest to Pitt for a long time, now he's a little different, but the closest we got to him on screen, I think, was the true romance character. Yes. Because I had long heard that him and Aniston were just raging potheads together. And they're back together. They're not. Yeah, didn't they just? Are get, they? I think they just got remarried or something. No way. They're back together. It's, that would be the biggest news story in America. It's in all the like Us Weeklies and all that shit. It's on the cover. <laughs> then it, 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 if it was real, we would have we would have heard. We have heard. It's in the magazines. It's in Us Weekly. It's like they're back. They're dating. They're dating again. I'm gonna look this up. I'm telling you, they're dating again. Pitt Aniston. Look it up. It's not happening. She made a statement about her relationship with him recently. I believe that they are dating again. Wait, she's reportedly pregnant with Brad Pitt's baby. Yes. There you go, you fuck. Says YouTube. Dude, I'm telling you, they're dating again. Look, say what you will about Us Weekly. It's always right. It's always right. I've never seen an inaccurate thing in there once. It's that always can't right. can't be true. <laughs> With the news that his bitter divorce battle has gone from nasty to downright ugly, Brad Pitt is seeking solace in a romantic trip to Italy with Jennifer Aniston 
and he's bringing along his daughter Shiloh too. All right, maybe there that happened. Are. There you go. You delivered that in an almost Dennis Miller style. Dennis Farina. No, it sounded like Dennis Miller. All right, I just thought this would be bigger news. I, I just can't believe American doesn't care about uh, Anderson and Pitt together again. I just saw Miller on uh, Kimmel, and they played a clip from his new special. Not a fan. I know you're not, but the joke made me laugh, because Kimmel's like, I hosted the Oscars. You did this joke? Uh, he goes, didn't watch the Oscars this year, instead decided to take a solo canoe across the Atlantic with a rabid fucking woodchuck in it. <laughs> He makes right. me laugh. I'm sorry. He All makes right. me laugh. <laughs> uh, anyway, folks, that's our show. I'm your Joe. What can I say? It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'll be in New York January, I believe it's 5th, 6th, 7th, or it might just be the 6th, whatever that Friday, Saturday is. I think it's Thursday, too. It might just be Friday and Saturday at Gotham Comedy Club doing shows. Uh, in March, I'm headlining Vegas at a Bonkers. Ooh. Bonkers. Two sh- two sh- it's called Bonkers. Where's Bonkers? Uh, I forget where it is, but I'll get more details. Is it after I rap at uh, my job? Because I'll be right out there with it's you. It's in March. You right? Late or early March. I'm done late. I'm done March 10th, I think. Uh, and I'll be also returning. Yeah, it's after March 10th. Great. And then I'll be returning to the Moon Tower Comedy Festival in uh, Austin, Texas, uh, shortly after Vegas. All kinds of new shit coming up in the new year. I got other announcements to make, but I can't make them yet. So uh, that's it for me. Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram. I'm at the Patrick Walsh on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, watch the Cool Kids on Friday nights. You're going to love uh, Margaret Day's The Zodiac Killer. It's got a horror bent to it. Check it out. We're on Fridays at 7.30, 8.30 Central or whatever the fuck that is. And Hulu. Uh, next week, Joe, we're doing. Well, let's not announce it. Okay. Okay, fine. Um, thanks, all. Enjoy your holiday seasons. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. We'll talk to you in hell. It's a good show.